Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus at the Kaka on Tuesday, June the 1st. Today I'm taking a look at cycling lanes. I think that they are the major political fault line of our era. Now that may seem strange for something which seems so basic and um, pedestrian for the want of a better word. But uh, when you look ahead in the next 10 or 20 years, one of the big battles is going to be between suburban car driving commuters and people living closer to the centre of the major cities who want to use those roads and motorways between their homes and work and school for cycling and for walking in a safe way. And if you're looking for a preview of what the future of our big political debates looks like, go on down to the Island Bay Cycleway. I'm in Wellington, so I'm slightly obsessed with this little political stash. But talk to anyone in Island Bay or Burrampore, in fact, anywhere in central Wellington, and they'll know all about this. About five years ago, there was an attempt to build a separated cycle lane uh, along the main road in Island Bay. Uh, which is a suburb about 15-20 minutes drive from the CBD. And uh, it was designed to create a safe place for cyclists on either side of the road to go. Um, it was separated from the road in one of those um, half-assed ways they do with the, with the, the plastic posts and the, the little um, rumble strips on the side of the road. And effectively the cars who were parked were parked towards the centre of the road, not on the side of the road. That meant that um, when they opened their doors, they were closer to the traffic than the cyclists, and also that the cyclists were not being collected by people opening their doors into the road. Now, the locals um, were outraged. Uh, when I say locals, locals, residents, most of them, because uh, it um, appeared to put the safety, at least on the, on the face of it, the safety of the motorists behind the safety of the cyclists. It also took up road space that was going to be used by cars and uh, may have increased um, some of the congestion. Essentially it's a battle between who owns the road. This is a public road and the question is is it for car drivers or for pedestrians and cyclists because trying to have them on the road at the same time means that a lot of people don't go cycling and obviously pedestrians um, can use the footpaths but um, you can do some really interesting things um, combining uh, pedestrian and cycleways. And of course, as we head towards a carbon zero future, the question is, how do you um, quickly and cheaply shift from emitting carbon to not emitting carbon? And one way to do that is to get people out of their cars and even out of buses and onto electric bikes, bikes and, and walking. And one of the fastest ways to do it is, you know, rather than build a whole new railway that takes 10 years and costs billions or um, a whole bunch of new motorways, uh, one way is to just carve off one of the lanes of the motorway or the road and turn it over to pedestrians and cyclists, then potentially use congestion charging to reduce the amount of people using their cars. Of course, this pits motorists against cyclists and um we saw this debate go national, if you like, over the weekend when uh, more than a thousand cycling activists um, broke through a pretty lame looking police barrier and cycled over the um, uh, the out, outer lanes northward 
over the Auckland Harbour Bridge to protest the lack of um, cycling access over the bridge and the lack of a sky path which seems to have stalled. This will be the um, political battle of our age. In my written piece today in the Dawn Chorus, I compare it to the Springbok Tour uh, and before that the Vietnam Tour protests in which what appears to be a you know not political issue um, turns into something of a culture war that defines a generation. I think we're going to see that with cycleways and uh, we're already seeing the battle lines forming and it will be very interesting to see what the Climate Commission comes up with next week with its final recommendations. Its draft recommendations weren't that pedestrian or cycling friendly. It took the view that people would go straight to electric cars. In my view, that, that report was flawed in part because it relied on a 20% fall in power prices and um, the fairly quick shift of TY Point to produce renewable electricity. Neither of those things are happening or likely to happen. So um, there is going to be a battle. And uh, whichever way the political parties fall, National and Labour is certainly reluctant to um, alienate the median voters in the suburbs driving their double cab utes. And by the way, I'd recommend having a look at my piece from March about how our um, double cab ute culture will eat our climate change strategy for lunch, just to um, clarify the issues involved. Elsewhere today in the Dawn Chorus, we have uh, news that Nick Smith is retiring from Parliament, um, partly because he lost his Nelson electorate at the election and because of a, an inquiry into a verbal altercation with a staffer last year. Also, we have um, the results of the meeting between Scott Morrison and Jacinda Ardern, where, rightly, um, Scott Morrison has defended New Zealand's um, position on China, hit, hit back at those over in Australia, actually, who say we've gone soft. He says that um, we haven't damaged Five Eyes in any way. I actually think he's, he's right on that. When you look at what New Zealand's done, particularly over, the, over recent months, where we did pass a parliamentary uh, motion um, criticising China, albeit without the word genocide in the in the motion. That's better than most other countries have done. And also, um, we have uh, pulled back from um, various engagements with uh, with China. And I, I think uh, Nanaya Mahuta has um, taken a very um, carefully calibrated and sensible stance on all of this. And for those people who worry about um, the Australians losing a lot of money from the various sanctions and tariffs applied to barley, wheat, coal, wine, sugar <laughs> exports to China, actually um, Australia was able to export those to other places and its export receipts are running at record highs in part because of the very strong iron ore receipts. Look out today too from uh, reports from the OECD and the IMF which uh, mention New Zealand. The IMF has its Article 4 consultation which is broadly positive, although points out again our failures on infrastructure and productivity. Uh, the OECD is also uh, positive, particularly on our COVID response obviously. And uh, more broadly the OECD has upgraded its global growth forecast to over 4% which um, 
uh, is a good sign for the global economy. Watch out later today for the Reserve Bank of Australia, which at 4.30 will come up with its monthly decision. No change expected, but you should look out to see whether it starts talking about tapering or um, potentially increasing interest rates in the future. And that would mean that New Zealand, um, who last week... um, uh, sort of went out on their own a bit and said that might that New Zealand might hike interest rates first. That would give us some company at the beginning of the queue of central banks globally looking to increase interest rates. We'll see after 4.30. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka on Tuesday, June the 1st.